Um, what would you like to share or what advice would you give others who are having challenging conversations around neurodiversity? Um, man, I could talk about it forever, but <laughs> um, I guess one big thing is the R word is just as bad as the N word. Like, don't use it. Like, it's just, you might have to train yourself. I think people use it a lot more than they think they do. Just find a replacement because it's really offensive. Um, I guess acknowledging your privilege in society. Like, I know that that hits a nerve for a lot of people. But you have to recognize that a world was built with you in mind where people with disabilities, the world was not built to accommodate the vast needs of people with disabilities. And it wasn't until 30 years ago in the United States that the ADA, which is the Americans Disability Act was even signed into law. You know, there are many of us who were alive where you were allowed to discriminate against people because they were disabled. You could ask somebody to leave a restaurant because they were disabled. And that was legal 30 years ago. Hmm. That's scary. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that long ago. Um, so recognize that this is, you know, this is new. And we're still fighting for the little things. You know, microaggressions happen all the time. There are many people who don't understand what microaggressions are because they've never experienced it. For instance, I took my child to a swim class and he needed something different. He needed an individual, you know, one-on-one -on -one swim class to help him learn to swim. And I'm explaining his needs and this is the YMCA and they're wonderful. And most of the time they're very, very inclusive. But at the end, after I told the receptionist, you know, this is the kind of person he needs, her reply was, well, let me see if I have somebody who's willing to work with your child, which is very a very small word willing but mm -hmm. i mean i'm still talking about it because it was really painful to hear it and you know and it was micro it was a micro aggression but you know those are the things that we deal with frequently and it's just lack of i guess understanding and, and bringing that up bringing up that example she probably didn't even recognize how that came across as offensive Mm -hmm. And and that's why um, now that you're mentioning it, we need to start incorporating that into. I need to start incorporating that into my microaggression training mm -hmm. <laughs> because that's the first time I've ever heard it phrased like that. Yeah, and you know me before I had a disabled child and before I recognized some of my own you know neurodiversity because I you know I gave birth to this child. I, I get it. I get not understanding because you never had to be exposed to it. Nobody ever taught you. You never, you just didn't know. And I, and I get it, but it still hurts. <laughs> it still lets me know how far we have to come. And it still lets me know that there are people in this world that truly believe that my child deserves less, that he is not going as far as other children and that I need to accept less for him and that he is truly less than others. I mean, it's, it's very common. I was in a, it was a diversity meeting. It was for diversity and it was at my child's uh, elementary school. Mm -hmm. And it's a very small group because schools are busy and you know, it, it's, it's in a, a white suburb. So perhaps diversity isn't on the top of everybody's mind. But when I came and talked about diversity, 
I was talking about something they weren't expecting, you know, about disability as a diversity. And most people don't think about disability as being, you know, part of the diversity conversation. And the parents who were there, who were there because they were interested in diversity after listening to my struggles with the school and how we did not feel included because this is how they treated children with disabilities. The parents at the meeting had asked me, well, why don't you go to a different school made for disabled children? And it's, you know, um, that is a very common feeling that that is what's appropriate and that is what's best that, you know, my child needs something different and they should go somewhere special. Well, one could also say that, you know, separate is not equal. I think we've established that in other realms. And the fact that that was even said in a diversity meeting was pretty painful. Um, and the fact that nobody there defended my child was also pretty painful. And that included the principal, the professional moderator, the, the district administrators. They said nothing. And to their credit, I typically don't need defending because I will definitely speak up for my child <laughs> faster than anyone else. But I mean, this, I don't, I mean, this is, they would have never said that to a black child. Maybe, I mean, maybe they would have, but probably not at the diversity training. <laughs> um, they would have known more. They would have thought twice about it. Yeah, yeah. perhaps they would have thought twice so, about it. So then what would you have um, liked for them to do? Um, I think the struggle uh, is the change of mindset because oftentimes children with disabilities, in order to be successful and receive a free and appropriate education, their education costs more. They need individualized attention. They need technology to help them. You know, they, they need an aid. You know, a lot of times it costs more. And once you start putting that, people are like, oh, if it costs dollars and cents, then we need to reevaluate. And that is really difficult for people to understand that, you know, if you want a society that is truly inclusive, it's going to cost more, like ramps and stairs cost more because you have to do both. Uh, you know, just um, elevators cost more than stairs. Isn't that, like what you just mentioned, isn't that a part of like the ADA compliancy? Um, Absolutely. And things like that, so. Yeah, so ADA, um, it's 30-year-old law. It is not as contested anymore. So yeah, there there's some physical things about buildings that have to be compliant to uh, be able to let everybody in the building and access the building. Um, however, uh, there's also parts of ADA uh, that um, make it so you have to allow accessibility for people with cognitive disabilities or developmental disabilities that are not necessarily physical. Those are a lot harder for people to understand, I think. Also, there's another federal regulation called the IDEA. Um, that law uh, is definitely super important to schools um, in particular. Um, it is for children with disabilities. It's the one that lets them have individualized uh, education plans. Um, that is definitely um, a law that most people do not understand. Um, and it guarantees children with disabilities a free and appropriate public education, which means that schools have to educate your child, no matter how disabled they are. 
and they have to provide an education that will allow them to live as independently as possible. Um, it allows them to gain access to the general curriculum. It allows them to progress to each grade um, with passing grades. You know, at the end of the day, it's how much support does that child need to be able to get appropriate or adequate education.